0: Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us, but truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle.
1: You know, for several months now, I've had two major themes that have just been constantly swirling in my spirit and these themes have governed a whole lot of my thinking and as I began back in February a a new assignment at a new church and a new role um, these themes were already swirling in me and they have um, kind of flavored a lot of what I've been doing for the last four or five months Um, not only in my private walk with the Lord but also in um, how I'm allocating my time and my energy um, and also the, the themes that I'm speaking on and preaching on. If you listen to Mavericks and Misfits on a regular basis, you've been noticing over probably the last month uh, that I've, I've mentioned many, many times um, themes that deal with the end of the age, the coming deception, the need for uh, Christians to be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and going deeper into understanding what the written word of God says. Those are really regular themes in my own life anyway, but there's been an elevated emphasis on that in some of what I've been doing. What what you can't see um, is that it's also touching my pastoral ministry and my kingdom relationships. One of the things that God showed uh, Amy and myself last year uh, towards the end of the year as I knew I was going to be exiting Uh, A ministry that I had been in, and of course, she'd been alongside of me the whole time as my wife. Um, We had been pouring into a previous ministry for over two decades. And as we were winding that up, and we were kind of had the horizons before us of a a fresh start and a new season, one of the things we were both hearing um, individually from the Lord is that we were going to be spiritual parents at a level that we um weren't able to do when we were younger uh Amy is uh hope I can say this and not be in trouble with her she's in her mid 40s i just turned 51 A week or so ago, and uh, we are now at that place where our own physical um, children—they, Alicia's an adult, and Landon is emancipated as a 16-year-old. He's in the workforce. He's going to school. He's driving his own truck. He's—he's not a little boy anymore. And so, we recognize that uh, much of our physical parenting to our two children is done. We're going to keep pouring into them as long as they let us, but. Um, we recognized that there were a lot of spiritual children that God had surrounded us with young people in their late teens, uh, and twenties and early thirties that we really, really felt the Lord. That's the second theme. We were talking about the end of the age swirling around in my heart and mind and, and things that deal with the coming deception and Christ's second coming. That was the first one. But the second one is the Lord wants us to pour into the next generation intentionally to raise up sons and daughters in the faith, to, um, be a spiritual mother, a spiritual father to them. That's what Amy and I are doing. And so we're, we're putting legs on that. We are um, meeting with a group of young people in our home. And then we are cultivating relationships with lots of 20-somethings because we're recognizing um, the generation of 20-somethings. They get a bad rap, man. I'm so sick of the church beating up on you know young millennials and Gen Zers. Um, we just need to quit doing that um every generation is different than the generation that went before it so quit being grumpy old people middle-aged people and talking about what's wrong with this generation this generation is hungry and they have zero appetite for nonsense when it comes to the kingdom they want to know what's real they want to know what's true they want all that god has for them they don't want it prepackaged in a cellophane christianity that um you know they have to you know find the religious scissors to open up and get into what's in the package. They they're, they're just not going to put up with that. And I applaud them in that. Um, but uh, at the risk of sounding potentially offensive, I would say this young people, you you don't yet have wisdom doesn't mean that you don't have understanding. It doesn't mean that you don't have good theology. It doesn't mean that you don't have sincerity, but you you can't have full wisdom yet because you just haven't been around long enough. Wisdom comes through experience. And so what Amy and I want to do is we want to match their zeal uh, that they already have, their hunger, their thirst, their confidence that God is great. We want to match that with some some practical wisdom about how to live this Christian life in a culture, in a world that's increasingly hostile towards biblical Christianity. And so I was thinking along those lines um, recently, and I found myself in the 78th Psalm, um, which kind of touches on these points with um, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, and the generation coming. And so I just thought, you know, Holy Spirit, could I just do a podcast on this issue of of what it means to be a spiritual family? What does it mean to be um, a middle-aged guy, 51 years old, pouring into 20-somethings? What does that mean? What does that look like? And what does it mean for the 20-something to be open to receiving from uh, a spiritual mother or a spiritual father that's of a different generation. And so when you have this symbiotic moment where you've got a willing older person who's committing to pour into the younger person, and you have a um, humble and willing younger person saying, I need to receive from the generation that went before me. When that moment happens, God does some great stuff. And so there's a picture of that in the 78th Psalm. I'm just going to read 11 verses. Can I do that? Can you let me do a little bit of a, a little bit of a Bible study? You guys like your Bible. I hope you like your Bible because I love my Bible. If you don't love the Bible, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. If you want to grow in loving your Bible, then you're listening to the right podcast. Because um, occasionally I'll just bring a devotion out of you know a passage of scripture. Today I want to do that. And so listen to the words of Psalm 78. Uh, Psalmist says this. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from the children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he's done. whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, listen to this, verse 9. The Ephraimites, that's an ancient tribe in Israel. The Ephraimites, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They didn't keep God's covenant but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. So there's more in Psalm 78. Feel free to read more if you want, but I think these 11 verses are plenty to kind of undergird and give biblical expression to what I was mentioning earlier about the need for younger people to seek out and um, say yes to wise, um, willing, and spirit-filled, biblically grounded older people that can help them as younger people in their journey. And there's a a parallel need for older people, middle-aged and older, to actually say, hey, we'd love to pour into you. We'd love to walk with you. We don't want you to be like our generation. We want you to be like Jesus. We want you to know the goodness of God. We want you to um, benefit from what we have learned As we have been alive and walking, we want you to learn from our mistakes. We want you to adopt some of the things that we've seen um, in our lives. We want them to adopt in your life so that you can experience the blessing of God where we've experienced the blessing of God. So guys, this is not a small thing. Um, One of the last moments in the Old Testament gives expression that Um, beginning with with who would end up being John the Baptist, the forerunner who comes before Messiah, that part of the um, characteristic of his ministry and then everything that flowed after the ministry of John the Baptist, you look in Malachi chapter 4, you look at the end of it, and it says that there will be in, in the ministry of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, there would be this element of the hearts of the children turning to the fathers, the hearts of the fathers turning to the children. And I believe that as we approach the end of the age, one of the amazing and highly necessary works that is going to be taking place in the kingdom is this issue of spiritual fatherhood, spiritual motherhood. And the humble among the younger will recognize this and they'll say, "Hmm, if that's what God's doing, I want to benefit from it. Um, The sacrificial in the older generation will say, if that's what God's doing, then I want to pour out what I've got to the generation coming behind me. So walking through the 78th Psalm, let's let's just see what we can learn from the words, the inspired words of scripture. Do not be bored with your Bible in the name of Jesus. Pray that if you don't have an appetite for the word, that needs to go to the top of your prayer list, that you would love the Lord and then you would love Him. His word. A lot of people say, I don't like to read. Well, I don't care. (laughs) I, I really do not care. If you don't read the word of God, you will ultimately fall to some form of error. So you don't have to like reading. You know, I don't like asparagus and broccoli, but I eat them because they're better for me than a bag of potato chips. There's a lot of things that our flesh may not like, but we do because we recognize it's the wisest and healthiest thing to do. And so this issue of us not loving our Bibles and just flaking out and saying, I don't like to read. Well, get an audio Bible. You know, you need the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. And so we've got to have the word of God. So anyway, that's my disclaimer as I'm about to, you know, um, deposits and moments in the word of God with you. So w- when we go back through these 11 verses in, in Psalm 78, you just see this desire that God has for spiritual mothers and fathers. He's using the masculine word fathers because you got to remember in ancient Israel when the Psalms were written, um, it's a highly patriarchal society. Most everything flowed through male leadership. And it was only with the coming of Jesus Christ that women were culturally um given what is rightfully theirs, uh, they they're given equality with their their male counterparts. and so that's why we hear in the word of God that there in Christ there is no male nor, female there is an equal standing but in ancient israel when we're reading fathers here the word fathers i'm I'm going to go ahead and encourage you if you're a female recognize that this is fathers and mothers and so we can benefit um the next generation by being spiritual fathers for spiritual mothers you that are coming up in the next generation you should seek out both you should seek out spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that will help you so God has this desire and he, he gives expression. Look at, listen to what he says in the first verse. He says, give ear, O my people, to my teaching and incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So right off the bat, you've got the psalmist and the expression of God through the psalmist that God wants his people to listen to what he is saying. God wants our ear. He doesn't want us to just hear. He wants us to listen. And so we 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 approach this thing with a submitted ear of recognition that God is communicating. God has something to say. Um, anytime you open the word of God, God is speaking. And so we, people say regularly, I just can't hear the Lord. I, I tell them all the time, open your Bible, you'll hear him. And I know what they're saying. They're saying they want a personal, subjective feeling of God speaking to them about their particular situation. And here's the beauty. If you will open the Bible and study it regularly, God will speak to your situation. But if you're just kind of bypassing the written word and and just wanting some, you know, Rama word all the time, and you're you're not looking at the logos, you're looking at the rhema, you're not looking at the written word of God, you're waiting for the whispered word of God. You need both. And so when when I can't hear the Lord personally, subjectively, um, you know, speaking directly to Jeff Lyle about a need that Jeff Lyle has. What I'll do is I'll just make sure I am in the word of God. And the more I read the word of God, the more I find that he's speaking in every single page. If I will do what is said here in Psalm 78, what is said, give ear to my teaching, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So that's where it begins. God's communicating. And one of the modes that he communicates is from an older generation into the lives of a younger generation. He says in verse two and three, he says, I will utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known. And so here you have the the Lord speaking through the psalmist, and here's the communication. When he speaks of dark sayings from of old, he's talking about the deep things of God. He's talking about things that aren't superficial. He's talking about things that are not easily accessible to the casual uh, pursuer, to the person who can live with or live without God speaking, they don't really care. That's not somebody that God's going to entrust the deep things to. The deep things are entrusted to people who make it a priority to hear God on the deep things. And so, you know, uh, at the risk of, you know, sounding like I'm alienating people, the casual Christian is never going to get revelation just not, uh, those are pearls. And God, Jesus Christ himself said, he, he taught us not to cast our pearls before people that will trample them underfoot. And so how much more can we expect him to do the same thing? So these mysteries, these revelations, these secret dark sayings of old things that are in the heart of God that have to be revealed for us to understand. Um, God says, if you'll give me your ear, if you'll incline your ears to the words of my mouth, You will hear me bringing revelation to your heart, things of old, things that other generations have heard and known. And so here we have right at the beginning that this desire of God for spiritual mothers and fathers is that the spiritual mothers and fathers would look at the next generation and say, hey, I love you. Listen to me. I have something that will benefit you. I have something to say to you. So middle-aged and older people and really, you don't even have to be middle-aged or older. If you're in your 30s, you can you can do this exact same thing I'm talking about to people in their early 20s or their late teens or even younger. And so I'm, I'm going from the paradigm that I'm living in as a 51-year-old talking to a lot of 20-somethings. But if you're a 20-something, why don't you do these same things with a teenager? So you get my point. It's one generation pouring into another the deep things of God. And um, that sets the pattern for the rest of these verses. And here's here. And when you get down to the end of verse number three, I don't know if you got your Bible open or not, but it's Psalm 78. And now in getting down to the end of verse number three, here's this amazing privilege that God is offering spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. So he says at the beginning of verse three, I'm going to utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. Boom. There you have the principle right there. So the psalmist is saying, I'm going to reveal to the generation coming behind me what God revealed to the generation that went before me. And the reason why I know what God revealed to the generation that went before me is because they told us, <laughs> they spoke to us, they invested in us, they passed down what they knew of God to us when we were younger. And it's not rocket science, the pattern in the kingdom is that one generation stewards what they hear from the Lord, what they've experienced with the Lord, their life history, their walk with God. They understand as time goes on that they've learned some things. They've made some errors. They've made some mistakes. They've got some regrets, but they've also had breakthrough. They've gained understanding They've had more time to work through some thorny doctrines that, you know, maybe young people, I see young people all the time, they get a truth and they run with it. They run hard, fast and declaratively with it. They're going to tell everybody what they've just learned. And what they don't know is that there's, um, you know, a hundred questions that attaches itself to what they do know. There's a hundred questions that they haven't fought, thought through yet. And so later on in life, their, their big truth is tested by life. And so they 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 haven't processed that truth. I love it when um, I, I, I run with some people and they are like really, really into Reformed theology. And for you that don't know what Reformed theology means, it's just the doctrines of grace. It can be Calvinism. It doesn't have to be Calvinism, but it basically has a high view of the sovereignty of God and, um, speaks clearly that God has a master plan that he's working out in cooperation with human will. And, but when a young person, it's typically dudes, when young dudes get a hold of Calvinism or reform theology, they're just given all the grenade statements. They just throw some verbal grenades out there. They like debate. They like controversy and everything. But they haven't really walked out the other side of it fully yet. And so what they end up doing is they end up a little out of balance. And then I love watching how God will bring them back from the fringe of reform theology and mellow them a little bit to where it's not just about, you know, the doctrines of grace and just hardcore God's in control. You're not. So be it. And, and I love how watching how God will shape them, but that happens over time as people, in the next generation will say, well, have you considered this? Have you considered these verses? Have you considered this? And so what happens is it's not that they lose their theology. It just becomes more well-rounded. It's not a stick of dynamite. It's, it's more like, um, you know, a, a weapon that they can use to destroy error, but it's not a weapon that they use to intimidate believers. And so this generation The psalmist generation says, I've got to pour into the next generation the very things that our fathers told us. And then I like this. He says in verse four, we will not hide them from their children. We won't hide what we've learned, what we've experienced, what God has shown us, what we understand, where we failed. We're not going to hide that from our spiritual children. We're not going to hide it from the younger generation." Uh, the younger generation is starving for spiritual parents they're starving um they're not really interested in our pulpit lectures I'm a preacher I'm a pastor I'm a preaching the pulpit and young people I'll say this to you you got to discipline yourself you got to grow up a little bit you need to be if you can't endure a forty five minute sermon you're not as spiritual as you think you are <laughs> sorry um if 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 you're bored with preaching the word of God it's because your appetites are being drawn in directions that um Um, you know, are beneath the dignity of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so you can't get away from it. In the Bible, God uses teaching, didactic teaching, moments where you actually sit and listen to somebody lecture on truth. And so in in the same breath, I'll just say that that's not enough. It's not enough for my generation to give spiritual theological lectures. What what young people are looking for is somebody that will walk with them somebody that will help them, somebody that will be a spiritual dad, a spiritual mom, to talk to them not only about theology, but life, marriage, dating, sex, moral issues, political issues, economic issues, priorities, dreams, goals, visions, um, you know, how to balance a checkbook for crying out loud, you know, just stuff that is so practical that they they're not going to get from a 45 minute theological lecture. They want somebody that is not just interested in telling them something of God, but is actually interested in modeling God to them, modeling Christ to them through a relationship. They they actually want to sit down and have a have a cheeseburger with you or tofu <laughs> or for vegans, a salad um, they're They want to spend time. They want to know that, you know, we're actually interested in their lives. And so the psalmist says this, we're not going to hide that from them. And he says, but we're going down to verse number four. It says, we're going to be telling these things to the coming generation. It's right there in the Bible. One generation tells them to the upcoming generation. It's right there. That's what spiritual parenting is. You invest your life in the generation coming behind you. And these things are specified there in, in verses uh, number four and five it, it talks about the glorious deeds of the Lord, his might, the wonders that he's done, um, the testimony and the law that he gave to Israel, the psalmist says, that he commanded our fathers to teach their children. So listen, God is so serious about spiritual parenting that in the Old Testament, it was in the law. It was in the Mosaic law. You, you must teach your children's generation about me. God said you have to and that's always been the way that the Lord's wanted to do it you get to the New Testament you find in the book of Titus chapter 2 that God commands the older women to pour into the younger women telling them how to be wives and how to be mothers and how to carry themselves and, and kingdom dignity and then Paul tells Timothy the things that you've heard among me or heard from me among many witnesses I want you to take those same things and teach other men also So the older men teach the younger men, the younger, excuse me, the older women teach the younger women. It's right there in scripture. And so these things are classified as the glorious deeds of the Lord. Um, My generation needs to tell the younger generation the signs, wonders, the power, the displays of God, the salvations, the breakthroughs, the, the, you know, last minute rescues of God. Tell the stories, man. Tell the next generation, hey, this is what God's done in my life. Talk about his power and his might. I like telling people how God delivered me from drugs and alcohol, radically set me free, broke broke the shackles off of me in a day of addictions and all sorts of immorality and stuff. I like telling people that. Why? Because I want them to know God is powerful. God is great. God's not intimidated by anything. And so these are like life-shaping witness moments where we pass on to the next generation. Why do we do that? Well, it's verse six, that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children. So again, at the risk of being repetitive here, it's God saying, you tell the next generation and I'll tell that generation to tell the next generation and I'll tell that generation to tell the next generation. And so we're literally stewarding a process that God has initiated among his people going back millennia, thousands of years that God said, this is the way I like for my children to pass on the kingdom to the next generation. And so every generation has the responsibility of stewarding kingdom truths and kingdom experiences, gospel truth, and telling them, it says, arise and tell them to the children coming behind you. It means get off your backside, stand up, do it. You know, can I say that? Oh, man, I'm feeling the Lord on this and I'm almost out of time. But um, lazy Christianity is a scourge on the church right now guys, hear me on this. I'm going to speak as a middle-aged dude to a younger generation. It's not, it's on us to invest in you, but it's not on my generation to do everything for you. If you don't have initiative, if you don't have proactivity, if you're not chasing after God, my generation can't do anything for you. I find this all the time. Like I'm willing to invest in young people, but if I find out I'm having to pull all the weight, That I'm having to make all the decisions, that I'm having to spur a young man or a young person on to, um, you know, to pursue God, if I'm constantly having to crank their truck for them, that's not somebody I'm going to be able to continually pour my time into. Listen, the time is short. I'm not I'm not into just sitting around chit chatting about meaningless things. And it's not just about quality time. Sometimes it's about initiative and purpose and mission. What is God saying to you? What are you doing with your life? Does what you communicate uh, display the purposes of God in your life? Are you messing around with the world? Are you entrenched in the world and dabbling in God? And so we've got to get to this place, guys, where where the younger generation says, hey, it's valuable when an older generation, an older person, a middle-aged person, or somebody that's gone before me that has a little more wisdom, it's valuable that they are sacrificing time, energy, and wisdom pouring into me. I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to pursue this. I'm actually going to listen to what they say. And I'm going to take the initiative for my own life, my own walk with God, and quit waiting on somebody to make my life happen for me. And so you've got to get you've got to get initiative in your life if you're a young person. And if you're an older person or a middle aged person, you've got to hold their feet to the fire. You've got to say, hey, bro, this is your life. I can't do it for you. If you don't if you don't want to take this thing seriously and run with it, that's cool. But I'm not your guy. Don't waste my time. I love you. I'll pour into you, but I'm not here to hold your hand while you whimper about what's not happening in your life. I'm here to say in the name of Jesus, rise up and follow the Lord because he's called you to something great and you have a purpose on your life and you got to make up your own mind about what you're going to do with it. That's verse seven. We're, We're telling these things to the next generation so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but to keep his commandments. That means to go hard after God, remember who he is, remember what he's done, put your full hope in him, obey what he says and run hard after the Lord. Man, I'm I'm really feeling this. And if you're in your twenties or thirties or maybe even your forties and you you haven't even gotten over the speed bump of getting up and deciding every day you're going to pursue the Lord, come on, man, repent, repent. Take seriously your life. You're bought with the blood of Jesus. You're not just taking up space in a church auditorium a couple of days a week. It's not about you getting your 15 minutes of quiet time and doing your you know Bible through the year and you know giving your 10% of your income. Those are all fine. Those are good things. But that's not the Christian life summarized. The Christian life summarized is I'm a deer by the water brook panting after God because I'm dying of spiritual thirst and he's the only one that can satisfy me. And you wake up every day and you go hard after that. And yes, the older generation can help you. But if you don't have the motivation, there's nothing that my generation can do for you. Your life is what you're going to give an account for. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ, give an account for your life. And the last thing you want to hear the Lord ask you in the day of evaluation when you stand before him is, hey, why were you actually so lazy? Why were you kind of flippant? Why were you casual? Why were you waiting on somebody else to make it happen for you? Why were you, why were you, you know, shuffling your feet, stuffing your hand in your pockets and shrugging your shoulders all day long when I put my Holy Spirit in you and I gave you a mandate to live and I gave you gifts and I called you and I am, uh, I was offering you every resource you needed and, but you just weren't motivated. Do you remember the proverb that says the lazy person won't even lift their hand to feed themselves? It's a picture of a lazy dude sitting in front of a plate full of food, and he's so lazy he won't even stick the fork in it and lift it up to his mouth. And, guys, that generation has to die. Your generation, I'm speaking, I'm prophesying to young people right now, people in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s, and early 40s. I'm, I'm saying to you right now, your generation has to break off the shackles of flippancy, casualness, and idleness. You've, you've got to, you've got to stop pursuing things that are for, um, immature people or unbelieving people. You, you, you can't afford to get sidetracked by wealth, riches, fame, or success. Those things, listen, I, I want God to bless you financially. I want you to be fruitful in what you put your hand to, but that's different than chasing the worldly definition of riches and success. And you got to make up your mind. Are are you a God chaser? Are you a God chaser? Some of you ought to read Tommy Tooney's book called God Chasers. I read that <laughs> 15 years ago and it was so helpful to me as a, a younger man. But you got to chase after God, man. You got to make up your mind. And God'll put some older people in your life to help you, but they're not going to do it for you. And um, you can't you can't leech off of their life. You can benefit from it, but you got, you got your own testimony. He's got he's got your story that he's wanting to write. And at the end, verse 8, it says this that Instead of forgetting the works of God and, and failing to keep his commandments, instead of not setting their hope on God in your generation, God says, don't be like some of your fathers, verse eight, who were a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast. That means they were flippant. They were in and out. They were irregular. They were intermittently committed. Their heart wasn't steadfast whose spirit was not faithful to God. Guys, that's intense. God says, yeah, some in your generation that went before you, mark them. Don't be like them because they were stubborn and rebellious. They followed God when they got what they wanted, but they chose not to follow God when they didn't get what they wanted because their heart wasn't steadfast. They were conditional lovers, not unconditional lovers of God. And their spirit was not faithful to God. So when you see a life that's not faithful to God, when you see a life that's slack, when you see a life that's um, you know, just kind of whatever God will be there if I ever want him. That's somebody whose spirit has not been made faithful to God yet. And there's only one solution to that. You know, the fear of the Lord needs to hit them and they need to repent and they need to recognize I perish without the Lord. I'm doomed without the Lord. My life means nothing without the Lord. And then I'll give you this and then I'm done. It mentions the Ephraimites and I'll have time to go into the history of Israel. But when the the children of Israel were conquering uh, the, they're called to conquer the promised land where they're moving out of Egypt, out of the wilderness into the promised land, the tribe of Ephraim, um, it says that they were armed with the bow. So they had everything they needed. Every need supplied, every resource to win the battle. It says they were armed with the bow, but they turned back on the day of battle. That they, they looked the part, they played the part, they said the right things, they knew what their assignment was. But when the battle came, they're like, nah, not worth fighting for, not worth pressing in. And, And what the psalmist is saying here is if they only had the spiritual intensity, the commitment, the obedience, their testimony wouldn't be those who flaked out on God. Their testimony would have been they were victorious in God for the glory of God. But unfortunately, some of them did not. And so the next generation, what did they learn? They learned that um, it's kind of optional whether or not you go hard after God. If the battle's too hard, yeah, just turn back in the day of battle. That's what those fathers taught the generation coming behind them. So the generation coming behind me is looking at my generation. They're hearing what we say. They're watching what we do. And they're saying, "I, I want to see authenticity. I want to see steadfastness. I want to see consistency. I want to see a generation going that's ahead of me whose lives match up with their sermons, who don't just sing the songs but live the songs. I want to see men and women who pay the price. I want to see what it looks like to be courageous, what it looks like to be sacrificial, what it looks like to be loving, what it looks like to never quit. That's what the generation in part wants to see. And the only way that they're going to see it is if my generation says, yeah, we're in this thing and we're very serious about it and there is no turning back. And so I make my commitment uh, to those of you that I'm hands-on pouring into. Some of you listen to this. Um, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to give you everything I got. I hope you'll receive it. And if you don't have a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, you need to be praying, God, give me somebody that's real. Give me somebody that will model Jesus to me. Give me somebody that's got wisdom that I don't have yet. So that I can have eventually the wisdom that they have through their investment in me. And if you're a middle-aged person or older um, or even somebody like in your 30s, look over your shoulder and say, God, who's behind me that I can pour into? Who, Who can I invest what you've shown me? Who can I give that to? Because I want to be a spiritual mother. I want to be a spiritual father. And I don't want to keep what I've been given by you, God. I don't want to keep it to myself. I want to share it with others. All right, guys, lots to think about. Appreciate you tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. Go to transformingtruth.org. Check out some of the resources that are there. There's a lot of stuff on that website that will help you in your spiritual journey. Um, Hey, do me a favor. You know, tell people about Mavericks and Misfits. I do believe that uh, I got some numbers from those that uh, facilitate and stream our podcast. we're we're, we've got connections now in 137 countries in the world and um they gave us some encouraging numbers so you sharing the podcast is helping us reach people all over the world so if you can rate and review it on itunes or spotify or google play or wherever you're listening give it that's all i ask that's all i'm i not asking you to give money i'm not asking you to do anything. i'm just saying hey help people know about Mavericks and Misfits because I want to reach as many people as I can. There's people out there that I believe if we can get their ear for a minute that God will start working in their lives. But I need your help to get that word out. And so share us on social media, tell people about it, rate and review, and uh, keep tuned in. We'll talk to you next time. God bless.
0: Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography titled Figuring It Out As I Go shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.